Thank you for joining the Element Church Podcast, where we exist to guide people to experience life to its fullest, connect into meaningful relationships, and make a lasting impact. Wherever you're listening from today, we hope this message inspires and strengthens your faith. Well, have you ever watched a toddler uh, go through the process of trying to pick something up without letting go, without releasing what's already in their hands. Ever done that before? We've seen that go down. Like, like they might have something in, in this hand, something in this hand, and then they're holding something else with both arms like this. It's comical if you've ever seen it happen. Um, they, they see something else, and so of course they want that. And so now the process begins. Um, they, they, they want that toy, but they're not sure they can release what's in their hands in order to get it. Or they don't know how to do that or, or if they even want to. Uh, without the, the dexterity that comes with age, uh, they, they can't pick up two toys at, at once like, like I can. And so they fumble around and, and try to pick it up or maybe they put one toy down, pick up that one, but now they want that toy back. Like, and they go through the process all over again. It's, if, if, if all the toys are on the floor, it's even funnier as they try to, try to pick up all these toys and stand up. I'll spare you the agony of watching this old man try to do that myself on, on the platform. But, but this image here, this image of a toddler um, not wanting to release some things in order to get what they want, this is the best image I could think of, of how many of us choose to seek God in our suffering. There, there are some things we need to release in order to seek God, but we don't know if we can do that. We don't know if we're allowed to release these things. We, we don't know how to do it. We don't know if we want to release these things in order to seek God. And that's what I want to talk about today, releasing some things in our suffering as we end the sermon series we've been in called When God Disappears. If you don't know who I am, by the way, I don't always play with toys in my sermon. Uh, we got 80s for the announcements and playing with toys in the sermon. I don't always do that, uh, but I, I do always want to say I'm so thankful for you being here. My name is Jeff Manis. I'm the lead pastor here. And whether you're here in person or joining us online, just so glad that you are here with us. Next Sunday, we will only be having our online experience. No in-person gatherings next Sunday on July 4th. Forth, so nothing much changes for our online family. We're going to be having the second Sabbath Sunday of the year. The word Sabbath means to stop. The original intent of the Sabbath was to stop all of our ordinary work and activity on one day a week so that we can rest in God, delight in God, and fellowship with God. And after we did a whole sermon series on the Sabbath this last fall, we decided that this year we would try to model this idea as an entire church together by taking a few Sabbath Sundays where we don't just give our volunteers and staff some rest, but we rest the entire ministry. We rest the building and all of the equipment together having a total church Sabbath Sunday. Resting in Jesus 
And taking a Sabbath is one of the ways that we can truly experience life in Christ. Jesus said he wants to give us life to the full. It's part of our vision here. We exist to guide people to experience life to its fullest, connect into meaningful relationships, and make a lasting impact. Now, we don't want to offer you nothing as far as teaching goes on Sunday, so there will be a short online sermon for you to engage in with your family, your community, uh, whatever it is. That sermon will be available on our YouTube channel and on our website that day. Again, Next Sunday, July 4th, no in-person gatherings. We're taking a Sabbath Sunday, so make sure and put that on your calendar. Let people know that you know are not here today that will not be here in person. As I said, today we're ending a sermon series we've been in called When God Disappears. And we've been walking through the life, the story, the book of Job in the Bible. Job was the richest man in the entire region. He had 10 children and was well-respected by everyone around him. Even God spoke highly of Job. He, he said that Job was upright and blameless. He, he feared God and stayed away from evil. He was a man of complete integrity. But the devil pushed back against that to God and said, well, of course Job trusts you. Of course he loves you. All you do is bless him and protect him. But remove your blessing, remove your protection, and Job will surely curse you to your face. So God allowed Satan to bring suffering into Job's life. And what Job went through, as we've seen, is unimaginable for most of us. Uh, losing all of his possessions, and all 10 of his children in one day, and then losing his health, being covered from head to toe with painful boils. Yet in all of his suffering and all of his pain, in everything he lost and everything God allowed to come upon his life, we have seen how Job maintained his integrity. He didn't curse God like Satan thought he would. He kept his hope, his trust, his faith in God, even praising God in the midst of his suffering. We've looked at all of that. And one of the reasons he was able to do all of this is because I believe he released some things in his suffering. And here's why this is so important. What most of us want when we're suffering is resolution. We want answers to our suffering. We want healing, restoration, the removal of our problem, whatever it is, but while we want resolution, what we really need is to continue seeking God whether we get it or not. Or for some of us, we really do want to continue seeking God. We just don't know if we can release some things in order to do that. We don't know how to release some things or maybe we don't want to release some things in order to get what we really want and need, which is seeking God. So this is why the big idea is so important for us as we close out this series. We may not find resolution in our suffering, but we can release some things to continue seeking God. We may not find resolution. On this side of eternity, it may never come. And I know that's hard for some of us to hear, especially those of us who are in the throes of suffering right now where it feels like God has disappeared. The great news is he hasn't disappeared. 
and we can release some things in order to continue seeking him. Now, I know I'm not naive. I know that not everyone is concerned with seeking God. For some of you here in the room or even watching online, you don't believe in God for whatever reason. And while I do hope and pray that one day you will put your hope in God by faith in Jesus and start seeking him, you are welcome and loved here whether you ever do that or not. And at the very least today, I hope this series gives all of us some permission to release a few things that I think Christianity and God's church has frowned upon throughout the years. It's, it's releasing some things. It's, 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 it's things we hold on to in our suffering that, that keep us from seeking God. A lot like those toddlers I talked about at the start of the sermon. So we may not find resolution in our suffering but we can release some things to continue seeking God. So here's the question, uh, the big question we've got, obviously got to answer today. What should we release in our suffering? What should we release in our suffering? The main scripture literally is all over the book of Job. <laughs> so I just put Job on there for the main scripture. I don't have just one for you today. Uh, Job's in the Old Testament portion of the Bible, uh, just before the book of Psalms. And we are looking at a ton of scripture today and quotes from, from books to help us as well. So please feel free to follow along on the screens. If you don't own your own Bible, we don't want you to leave without one. So download the free Bible app called YouVersion. Or if you're here in person, ask for a Bible out at guest services. We'll get you one free of charge. We're going to start at the end today. We're going we're gonna to start at, at, in Job 42, the last chapter, and then we're going to go back and look at some things that we should release in our suffering based on the example of Job. Before we dive in, I do want to take a moment to pray and ask God for his help today as we close out what I believe to be a very important series today. Father in heaven, we need your help today. Lord, in our suffering, I do believe the most important thing for us to do is continue seeking you. But that's hard because there are some things that we can tend to hold on to. There are some things we struggle to release in order to do that. And Lord, I believe that when we hold on to these things, they can cause bitterness towards you to creep in. And Lord, we don't want that. We want there to be intimacy with you. And so, Lord, as we walk through Scripture today, as we look at Job and the, the thoughts of, uh, of other godly men and women and what they say about this, Lord, I pray that we be changed, that we would be able to release some things to you, and that ultimately we would continue to walk in close fellowship with you. Lord, may your anointing, may your power, and may your authority be upon my words and in this place today. In Jesus' name, amen. Job 42, verse 7, says this, last, book of the, uh, last chapter of the book. After the Lord had finished speaking to Job, which we'll come back to that, he said to Eliphaz the Temanite, one of Job's three friends who offered bad advice, I'm angry with you and your two friends, for you have not spoken accurately about me as my servant Job has. A few verses later, God says again that Job spoke accurately 
about me. So out of all the things Job said to God and about God from the previous chapters, and we'll look at a few of them along the way, he was not condemned for what he said. Job did not sin in what he said to God or, or about God. He maintained his integrity. He kept his faith, his hope, his love in God. He did not find resolution, but he did release some things in order to keep seeking God. So from Job's example, what should we release in our suffering? I'm gonna give you the first two of three points right here together. So I'm gonna be the first two points right now, but don't get too excited. I'm still taking my full time to preach the sermon, okay? It's not gonna be a shorter sermon even though I'm shortening up how I'm giving these points. So here's the first two things we've got to release. We should release our questions, first thing. Number two, we should release our complaints. We should release our questions and release our complaints. And when I say that, I'm not talking about ignoring them or stuffing them down. I'm talking about letting them out, like expressing your questions and your complaints. And Job had both of those, by the way. My goodness, did Job had both. Like read chapters three through 37 and every time Job opened his mouth, he had questions and doubts and complaints for God. But the comforting part is this, even in his questions and even in his complaints, God did not condemn Job. In fact, God said he maintained his integrity, which is hard to imagine when you read some of the things Job said to God and about God, I mean, here's just a few of them. Job 10, one through three, and then verses eight and nine. Job said this, I am disgusted with my life. Let me complain freely. My bitter soul must complain. Here he goes. I will say to God, don't simply condemn me. Tell me the charges you are bringing against me. He's demanding some things from God. What do you gain by oppressing me? Why do you reject me, the work of your own hands, while smiling on the schemes of the wicked? Verse 8, you formed me with your hands. You made me, yet now you completely destroy me. Remember that you made me from dust. Will you turn me back to dust so soon? Like Job's actually trying to remind God of his creation. Job 30, verse 20, I cry to you, O God, but you don't answer. I stand before you, but you don't even look. You're ignoring me, God. You're making me feel like you've disappeared. Job 31, 35 through 37, if only someone would listen to me. Look, I will sign my name to my defense. Let the Almighty answer me. Uh-oh. Let my accuser write out the charges against me. I would face the accusations proudly. I would wear it like a crown, for I would tell him, I've got some words for you, God. I'd tell him exactly what I have done. I would come before him like a prince. Really? I mean, I, I read those things Job said to God and about God and a ton of other things we don't have time to, to look at. And this is how I feel here, the nervous emoji. Or, or this one, the shocked emoji. 
Like if, he, if emojis were in the Bible, that's what you'd see after Job said these things. Like don't stand next to the person who talks that way because God's gonna strike them down, right? But that's just it. God didn't strike down Job for what he said. God actually said Job spoke accurately. He didn't sin in what he said. Job asked questions. He expressed doubts. He even complained. But God did not reject him for it. That should bring us some comfort. That should encourage us in our own suffering. That if you have questions for God, ask them. God's big enough to handle our questions. If you have complaints, let them rip, man. If you have doubts, express them. Release those things. Not only can you do that, you have permission. You should do that. It's actually healthy for you to do that. Because if you stuff down your questions and complaints, it will lead you to be bitter against God by not expressing them. We see this happening all through scripture with God's people, even Jesus himself. Jesus on the cross while paying the price for our sins cried out to his father in heaven, why, why have you forsaken me? So Jesus asked questions, express your doubts, express your questions and complaints, but here's the caveat. Here's the key. You need to release them to God. Don't just release your questions and complaints. Release them to God. Timothy Keller loved what he said in his book that's one of our recommended resources in the store out there. Um, it's Walking with God Through Pain and Suffering is the book. He said this, loved this. Yes, Job complained, but he complained to God. He doubted, but he doubted to God. He screamed and yelled, but he did it in God's presence. No matter how much in agony he was, he continued to address God. He kept, what? Seeking him. It's our big idea. And in the end, God said, Job triumphed. Wow. So we may not find resolution in our suffering, but we can release some things to continue seeking God, and Job did that. Job released his questions and complaints to God and kept seeking him in the process, and Job eventually got what he asked for. Like, God eventually speaks, but not in the way Job hoped. <laughs> not in the way Job expected. At the end of Job and all of his three friends offering up all these questions and complaints. God says this, Job 38, verses one through three. Then the Lord answered Job from the whirlwind. Who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorant words? Check this out. Brace yourself like a man because I have some questions for you and you must answer them. <laughs> Now you can use the nervous emoji, right? Like God speaks. It's what Job asked for. And says to Job, brace yourself like a man. That's what you call a spiritual oh crap moment. Capital D, dang. And the King James Version actually says it 
the best out of all the versions of, of Scripture, all the translations, not because it's more accurate, it's just so much more fun to say. I've been waiting all series to say this. The creative team's been laughing at me saying it for weeks as we've been preparing this series. The New Living Translation, which we commonly use, uh, says brace yourself like a man. We read that. The King James Version, though, says it this way. Check this out. Gird up now thy loins like a man. But you can't, see, it's already funny, but you can't say it that way if you're reading King James Version. Uh, I imagine if you're reading King James Version, you need to read it this way. Gird up now thy loins like a man. I hope you guys say that all day long, just like that. All joking aside, there is something beautiful here, even in this terrifying encounter with God. And would this not be terrifying? Like if God audibly spoke to me and said, brace yourself like a man, because I've got some questions for you. I would need a new loin covering at best, <laughs> a defibrillator at worst, right? But the beautiful part here is this, God answered Job. He answered him. Uh, again, Timothy Keller had some great insight on this one word, answered, this phrase answered as generic as it looks to us in English is significant. In Hebrew idiom, to speak to someone indicates a one-way communication of an authority to an inferior, while to answer or reply to expresses a dialogue between two parties. It is striking then that when God shows up, he enters into a dialogue. He does not come to simply denounce. In other words, God is inviting Job into a relationship. Isn't that beautiful? Or for our context, God was inviting Job to continue seeking him, even with his questions and complaints. So God answers Job, but not in the way Job expected or hoped for. He does not answer, he does not give answers to why these horrible things happened. He does not explain the purpose behind them all. His answers are about who he is, not why he does things, how they are done, or for what reasons they happen. God just answers with, this is who I am. In fact, he's got questions for Job. We can't look at them all, but here's some of the questions. Job 38, verse 4. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you know so much. Verse 12. Have you ever commanded the morning to appear and caused the dawn to rise in the east? I just picture Job sheepishly shaking his head over and over again. Verses 19 through 21, where does light come from? And where does darkness go? Can you take each to its home? Do you know how to get there? But of course you know all this, for you were born before it was all created and you are so very experienced. I love God's sarcasm, by the way. It makes me feel better about my own. I believe sarcasm is a spiritual gift and I have been given a lot of it. Verse 22, have you visited the storehouses of the snow or seen the storehouses of hail? I was laughing reading things thinking if, if I was preaching this back in March, I would have said, yeah, it was all here in Cheyenne <laughs> at one time. 
Verses 34 and 35, can you shout to the clouds and make it rain? I want to picture God saying, make it rain. But he's not talking about money, he's talking about rain. Can you make lightning appear and cause it to strike as you direct? Or my favorite one, Job 39 verse 1, do you know when the wild goats give birth? Look how random is that? I picture God asking it and then sipping his coffee. And then asking the next one, have you watched as deer are born in the wild? I'll wait for your answer. God does drink coffee, by the way. It's literally two chapters, read it, two chapters of God answering Job by asking him questions he could never know. Only God could know them. Job asked why, and God answered with, I'm God. Job complained, and God asked Job if he knew where the snow was stored or when wild goats give birth. And then verse four, chapter 40, verses 1 through 5, Then the Lord said to Job, Do you still want to argue with the Almighty? You are God's critic, but do you have the answers? Then Job replied to the Lord, I am nothing. It's probably an appropriate response. How could I ever find the answers? I will cover my mouth with my hand. I have said too much already. I have nothing more to say. But God did. God wasn't done. For another two chapters, God offers up more descriptions of his majesty and power, more descriptions of who he is with questions like Job 49 and 10. Are you as strong as God? Can you thunder with a voice like his? All right, put on your glory and splendor, your honor and majesty, or in other words, show me how big you are, Job. Whew. Years ago, I heard a pastor sum up everything God said to Job with this great line. Let me run the universe. You worry about making peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. <laughs> the funny thing is, I don't even do that very well. And yet I think I can advise God on how he should run the world. Verse chapter 42, verses one through six, after the end of God's questioning, then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do anything and no one can stop you. You asked, who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorance? It is I and I was talking about things I knew nothing about, things far too wonderful for me. You said, listen and I will speak. I've got some questions for you and you must answer them. I had only heard about you before, but now I've seen you with my own eyes. I take back everything I said and I sit in dust and ashes to show my repentance. Whew. Job got what many of us never get access to, a glimpse of God. Job saw God for who he was. And what he discovered is what we need to know the most. That God, even in our suffering, is more than enough. He's more than enough. Christian Rager, a believer in Jesus who spent time in the German concentration camp Dachau during World War II, he said this, Standing, I believe, in the concentration camp later in life, 
Nietzsche said, a man can undergo torture if he knows the why of his life, but here at Dachau, I learned something far greater. I learned to know the who of my life, God. He was enough to sustain me then and is enough to sustain me still. Wow. Remember, we may not find resolution in our suffering, but we can release some things to continue seeking God, so what should we release? Yes, release your questions. Yes, release your complaints. But ultimately, if we wanna continue seeking God, if we wanna maintain an intimate relationship with God, we've got to get to this last place, this place Job got to, number three, we should release our control. If we want to keep seeking God, we've got to release our control. The word repent used for Job in our main scripture, the word repentance, means to turn. And Job was turning, not necessarily from sin. He was turning from his demand for an answer, turning from his demand for God to tell him why. Job was turning from his need for resolution and choosing to release some things in order to seek God, who was more than enough. Timothy Keller put it this way, we must feel that to obey God will bring us no benefits at all. It is at that point that seeking, praying to, and obeying God begin to change us. When we seek him simply for who he is, not because he gives us anything, no benefits, Then Elizabeth Elliot, she's a missionary. Her husband was also a missionary, Jim Elliot, who was killed in Ecuador. This was decades ago now. By the very people they were trying to reach with the gospel of Jesus, they killed her husband. She said this, God is God. If he is God, he is worthy of my worship and my service. I will find rest nowhere but in his will. And that will is infinitely immeasurably, unspeakably beyond my largest notions of what he is up to. Now, yes, some of you know this, by the way, Job did receive massive blessings from God in the end, but Job did not know that was coming. Those weren't promised to him. Job did not know that God would bless him more in the last half of his life than in the first half. That's what the Bible says, uses that same language. Job did not know that he would literally receive exactly double of all the possessions that he lost. He he, he didn't know that was coming. Job did not know he would receive from God 10 more children. He did not know he would live 140 years after this tragedy happened, long enough to see four generations of children and grandchildren. He did not know that he would end up living a life described in the very last verse of Job as a long, full life. He did not know that was coming when he released his control to God. I'm sure he welcomed it when it came. I'm sure he praised God for it and was more thankful than we could possibly imagine. But Job released control before he got all of that. And I never thought about this before. Never crossed my mind until reading a book by Philip Yancey, Where is God When It Hurts? 
Job received exactly double from God, exactly double, every possession he lost. But he did not receive double the kids back. He did not get 20 kids. He only got 10 back. Why? Somebody joked earlier today, because we ain't, can't handle 20. <laughs> Why? Everything else was doubled. Why not the kids? Philip Yancey in his book, Where is God When It Hurts, one of our recommended resources, said this, never thought of it before. Could the author have been silently hinting at the eternal perspective? From an eternal view, Job did indeed receive double. Ten new children here on earth to go with the ten he would one day rejoin in eternity. Mind-blown emoji when I read that. I, I don't know if that's what was intended by God when he inspired the author to record the life of Job, but friends, it's true nonetheless. Eternity is coming. It's coming. Our life on earth is a vapor, like a morning mist, here today and gone tomorrow. And all of us, every single one of us will spend eternity somewhere. Either eternity with God by faith in Jesus or eternity separated from God, the absence of God's presence. And those of us who have loved ones who have died believing in God, we will rejoin them in eternity if we have faith in God through Jesus. My question is, will you be rejoining them? You put your faith in Jesus? You see, all, everything we've talked about in this series, I believe is so important for us as we walk through suffering, even these things today. You can do everything we've talked about in the series, but if you don't have faith in Jesus, what does it matter? If when this life is over and it will end, you are not with God but you're separated from his presence, what would it matter? Jesus said, what will it benefit you if you gain the whole world but lost your soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? You see, we have this problem called sin. Sin separates us from God and all of us have done it. The horrible news is we can't bridge that gap ourselves. We can't work our way to salvation or heaven. We can't earn our way through any good work, that we are separated from God by our sin. But God loved us so much, he said, I'll, I'll, I'll bridge the gap. So he came. Jesus, God in the flesh, came as one of us, died because of us, rose victorious, so that, that any one of us no matter who we are, no matter what we've done, by faith in him can be forgiven of our sins, given a new life today, power to live our lives for him every day, releasing our questions, our complaints, our control to him. And then one day, by faith in Jesus, yes, we'll be reunited with loved ones who believe. Yes, we will most likely see people like Job in eternity. But more important than that, we will see our God face to face. Job said it in chapter 19. 
I know that my Redeemer lives, and he will stand upon the earth at last. And after my body has seen decay, yet in my body I will see God. I'll see him with my own eyes. I'm overwhelmed at the thought. Job knew one day he would rise again and see Jesus. My question is, will you? Will you? If you've never put your faith in Jesus, I want to give you that chance right now. But it's by saying this prayer that I'm about to pray. Just say it silently in your heart to God. The prayer does not save you. Jesus does. This prayer expresses your faith in Jesus. So no matter where you're watching from, joining us from, you can say this prayer just silently. Father in heaven, I believe in Jesus. Jesus, you are God. Died in my place, rose again, and my faith is in you. Please forgive me of all my sins. Wash me clean. Make me new. I repent and turn from my selfish, sinful way of living, and by the power of your Holy Spirit in me, I will now follow you in a new life and new way. I receive from you salvation. Please live in my heart. Help me in my suffering to release my questions, release my complaints, but most importantly, help me release my control to you. Thank you for loving me and saving me. I'm going to do my best to love you back. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer to put your faith in Jesus, uh, so proud of you. Your Father in heaven's proud of you. And it's important to tell somebody about it. And we'd love to know, since you're here at our church, uh, you can let us know by texting the word ELIFE to 94000. No matter where you're watching from, just text ELIFE to 94000. We're going to celebrate with you, welcome you to, the, to our family, and then send you a link where you can download a free resource that we created that will get you taking your next steps in Jesus. It explains this resource does, what it means to follow Jesus, what it means to be born again, that your sins are forgiven and all that. Um, also gives you a chance to sign up for baptism, which is the next step for anyone who puts their faith in Jesus. If you've never been baptized, uh, we'd love to be a part of that part of your spiritual journey. Uh, we do that on the third Sunday of every month, and I believe the next six months or so are on the baptism sign-up form to choose the date that best works for you. I, I hope this has been a helpful series. It's been a heavy one. It was heavy coming into it. It's been heavy through it for me but I pray that's been a helpful one for us as well. Love you guys. Uh, let me pray for you, and then we'll get you out. Lord, thanks so much for sharing the truth that we saw in Job. Suffering is coming for all of us. You endured it on the earth, Jesus. And I thank you that in the life of Job, in the book of Job, we saw some do's and some don'ts for how we should walk through suffering. Lord, I pray that the things that we are, are meant to live out would stick in our hearts. Lord, anything in the series that was um, not correct, Lord, I pray that that would just be washed away and that we would all, Lord, I pray that we all, me included, just release control to you. I don't want to be like the toddler, Jesus, who holds on to things that keep me from holding on to you. So help me release those things in my life that keep me from you. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Love you guys. Have an awesome week. No in-person church next week. Uh, you're dismissed. If you were encouraged by today's message, be sure to subscribe and rate this podcast or follow us on social media. 
To learn more about our gathering times in Cheyenne, Wyoming, or to take your next step, visit our website, elementchurch.life. Thanks for tuning in. Catch you next week right here on the Element Church Podcast.